are y'all, are anybody in here, you're just like naturally, like you naturally uh, don't believe good news. Like something is just too good to be true. Anybody? Like you read something and you're like, there's a catch. Anybody in here, you're like, what's the catch? Uh, what's the catch? I just actually flew out last week and got really good uh, tickets uh, from an airline that I don't really want to dog, but uh, it's bottom of the line, uh, Spirit. It's called Spirit. If you work for Spirit, I'm sorry. Uh, we still love you, but um, I thought I got a good deal. And, you know, my suspicions were there. Like, this is a really good, like, ticket, right? And, uh, and, and I was like, it's half the price of all the other tickets, but there was a catch. There's a catch. Like, um, like, you know, JetBlue, you're all supposed to be, like, first class. Well, Spirit, you're all supposed to be, like, undercoached. You know what I mean? You're supposed to, like, you're supposed to fly like it was, like, the 70s or 80s, right? And this is how they get you. You get a really good ticket deal, but when you get to the airport, they're like, not only do we charge double for you to give me your bags, but if you want to carry on, you thought you were saving money, you just got caught. You just got trapped because I'm going to charge you for everything you bring on the plane, too right? And so there is a catch. I knew it was a catch. I was trying to go with it, but there was a catch. You get in the plane and they know, don't give them any TVs because they all have iPhones and they will eventually have to pay for a Wi-Fi because they're bored out of their mind. And so not only are you paying for your bags double, but you're paying for Wi-Fi and every little thing you get. And before you know it, by the end of it, you have paid more than the ticket that you thought was too expensive. There was a catch. Anybody little suspicious of things sometimes, like when you get the random text on your phone, like you want a new iPad. I don't even look at that anymore. There's a catch. I didn't win a new iPad. I didn't win $50,000 in the mail. I didn't win that. There's a catch. Look at your neighbor and say, don't fall for the catch. <laughs> Some of you single people, I really feel bad for you because you find you're dating on the internet and a lot of times it's a catch. Like not a good catch, but there's a catch. Like you think you are like, Girls, you think you're looking at Denzel Washington, it's more like he looks like Chris Rock. It's just not true. And I, I think he, that's a good looking guy too, but Denzel, come on, you know? Uh, like you look at the profile picture, some of y'all are like, y'all are being mean to, no, stop it. Uh, some of y'all, it's like a perfect, but you just got catfished. You just got catfished and there's a hook, there is a hook. And we have been conditioned for this. We've been conditioned as human beings like this is too good to be true. This is too good. And if we hear something that's too good to be true, we have a little indicator like, mm, I think I need to question it. But I'm here to tell you today, as Christians, the good news is too good to be true, and it is for you. You do not, you do not have to be suspicious because it's such good news that it will set you free. Do you believe that? Now, yeah, give God a hand if you want to. It is good news. It's so good that in our human flesh, it is hard to even receive it. But I'm here to tell you today, when you do receive the good news, it will change your life forever. You know, the Bible says that the Spirit was poured out, right? And in Isaiah 61, it says that the Spirit of God is upon us. He's anointed us to preach the good news. He, so the Holy Spirit is actually in us to begin to share the good news. Romans 1.16, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel or the good news because it's literally the power. Say power. power. 
It's literally the power of salvation for those that believe. It's good news. There's power in good news. Romans 10, 17 says that faith comes by hearing and hearing the good news of Christ. Today, some of you are going to hear good news of Jesus, and it's going to cause your faith to soar. Because the more we hear the gospel, the more we hear the good news, it is like adrenaline to our souls. And so today, I want to uh, challenge you, what does it look like, what does it look like to live out the good news? How do we respond? What does it look at like to live this life of uh, the Spirit, this life of good news? What is the result? What, what, what is the goal? When you're like, okay, all right, uh, Jesus is my message, people are my passion, what does that look like? What does it look like to share the good news? What does it look like to believe the good news? There was a religious leader that asked Jesus the same question. He was like, hey, what, what's, tell me the bottom line here. Like, how many bottom line people we have in here? Like, I don't want to know the details. Just give me the bottom line. And, and this guy was like, what are the most important laws? Like, what does it look like to live this thing out that you're talking about? And this is what Jesus says in Mark 12, 30 through 31. He says this, and you must love the Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and all your strength. And the second one is equally important, love your neighbors as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. What does it look like to live out this good news? It looks like love. The Bible says you can have faith to move the mountain, but if you don't have love with that faith, it's like a clinging symbol. Jesus says the ultimate goal here is love, loving God with everything and loving your neighbor as yourself. I don't want to give you this today, a daily process of living out the good news. If you're taking notes, write this down, the daily process of living out the good news. And the first one is this. The first one is this, if you want to live out the good news, the good news, the gospel, you have to first receive his love. You cannot give what you do not have. You first have to receive his love. And a lot of times, because we think it's too good of news, our flesh says, what's the catch, right? It is hard for some of us to receive the love of God the way that he wants you to receive it. Therefore, it is difficult for us to love others the way that he loves us because there is a kink in the hose, right? There is a kink. There is a suspicion. There is, this is too good to be true. I've already been uh, lied to. I've already been uh, suspicious of things. And But when you believe what the word of God says, not what Evan says, when you believe what the word of God says, it will make you alive. You're able to receive his love so that you can actually get it, give it. Listen, marriages don't work if you don't have love in your marriage. Come on, somebody. Now, I'm not talking about American love. I'm not talking about the Western world love. We say we love everything. I love those shoes. I love your hair. I love that friend. I love that TV show. But how many of you know there is a specific kind of love that's in the Bible, and it's a Greek word called agape? It's agape love. Man, if you want things to work, if you want the glue to work, if you want this new life to work in you, the most important thing is to know the love of God for you and to remind yourself of the love of God for you. 
agape love. What does that actually mean? What does that actually mean? See, agape is a love that is not like the world. It is a, it is a God love. It is a God love. I want to I read this really quick. I, I took 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. And I want you to be real with yourself. I took bits and pieces of this, of what love actually means. And I want you to be real with yourself if you actually feel this when it comes to God. Can you close your eyes right where you are? 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient. Do you feel like God's patient with you? If you're real with yourself, do you feel like he's patient? Love is kind. Love is not irritable. Do you feel like God's agitated with you? He's fed up with you? It keeps no record of wrong. You keep reminding God of the sin that you already, repeated, already repented for, and he's like, it, it is as far as the east is to the west. Rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful. Listen to this and endures through every circumstance. Now you can look back up to me. Do you feel like you receive that kind of love from God daily? If I'm not receiving that love, then it's very hard to give that to my children, give that to my wife, give that to my neighbor. I can try to do good works, but good works doesn't cut it. People actually sense God when you do it out of pure agape love. How many of you want that pure agape love? I want to read this to you. 1 John 4, 16 through 19. We're going to read it in the New Living Translation. It says, we know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is Love. Can you say that for me? God is love. One more time. God is love. It's not just something that he does. It's who he is. We serve a God of love. Can I remind you today that we serve a God of love? He might not correct you like your father corrected you when you were younger. See, we can get a certain spiritual lens of who God is by when we're little and we, we saw a human father and mother. And even if you had an excellent one, it fails into comparison to God's perfect love. And today, the Bible says that God is love. And he says, all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. Listen to this. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on judgment day, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Listen to this. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels fear. I want to say that again today. Perfect love expels fear. So if I have fear in my life, it's not an indicator that I don't have faith. If I have fear in my life, it's an indicator that I haven't received the love of God. Yes. That I trust God because I, uh, he loves me, and now that I trust him, I know that the creator of the universe is with me. Therefore, fear is expelled from my life. 
You're wondering how to get fear out of your life, and it is not by a five-step program. It's not by repeating things over and over. I am all about meditation and being like that, but listen, it is about receiving the love of God. And, and I'm all about getting quiet and getting alone with God, and, 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 and look, we should declare the word of God, but sometimes we're declaring the word of God and forgetting the actual love that God has for us. We're trying to work ourselves out of fear, and God says, I want you to stop striving and start receiving. So number one, if we really want to walk in this good news, we have to learn how to receive. Some of you, you are really good at giving. Some of you have to learn how to receive. See, some of you think that God is too busy for the small problems, but it's the small foxes that ruin the vine and keeping you up at night. And if you just begin to let God know what you're dealing with and you begin to pray, it says, don't be anxious for anything, but in everything with prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God and the peace of God will surpass all understanding. You don't have to understand the situation. You have a God that loves you so much that when you receive that love, Fear has to be expelled out of your life. What about my business? What about it? You got God with you, the creator of the universe. What about my marriage? What about it? You got God with you. Quit worrying about tomorrow. God says, focus on today. Rely on me today, and you'll start to see yourself walk in the peace of God because you trust God because he first loved you. See, this is the trick. We grew up thinking, oh, I got to love God with all my heart, all my soul. Okay, I got to love God, all my heart, all my soul, all my, oh, I got to love God. But this is the problem. You can't love God without receiving his love because he first loved you. Yeah, give God a hand. So we hear a message, we're like, oh man, I'm not loving God. I'm not measuring up. I'm not loving him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. But this is what the scripture says. This is what the scripture says. It says, at the end, at the end of 1 John 4, 16, it says, and this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love when we have fear. We love each other because he first loved us. So it's not about your love for God. Your love for God will always pale, fail in comparison of his love for you. You have to receive his love to even love God back. And I want to encourage you today to receive his love. Receive his love. Did you know? The Bible says, you can look it up, read it for yourself, Romans 2, 4, that it is the goodness of God that brings us to repentance. <sighs> now, I got to repent. I got to change. I got to love God more. I need to go to church more. I need to pray more. I need to do more. I need to do, I need more. I need more. I need to do more. Americans are all about more. And God is saying, time out. Time out. First, I want you to receive. And when you receive my goodness, it would actually bring you into repentance, which repentance actually means in the Greek that it changes the way that we think, that God wants to be so good to us that it changes the, the fabric of our being so now we can love God in freedom and not in obligation. Loving God out of obligation is called religion, and religion is dead, and you will burn out on religion. But Jesus literally said, are you tired? Are you worn out by religion? Come to me, and I will give you rest. Yeah, give God a hand. I'm here to tell you today, stop striving. 
The fruit, you never go by a, a vine or a grape tree and you hear the, the, the grapes go like, straining. No, it's just connected to the vine. You don't hear striving of fruit. See, fruit of loving God is only being connected to the vine. And when you're connected to his love, you do not have to strive. The fruit just comes. You love God because you're connected to the source of life. Begin to receive his love for you every day. You know, the Old Testament it is really a depiction, the Bible calls it a shadow of the New Testament. So when we read the Old Testament, it's a picture of Jesus. And there was a time when God made the world and the world was wicked. God was giving us a picture of Jesus and finds this guy named Noah. Noah, we all know, built an ark. Noah built an ark. And the Bible says that God said, I want you to build this ark for your family. And when you get in this ark, I'm going to bring rain. They never heard of rain before. And so he said, I'm going to bring rain. This is literally the judgment on the earth, Old Testament. But it's a picture of what Jesus did. And what happened was Noah brought him and his family and two of every kind of animals. How many of you know that would have to be interesting? And insect and everything. So two of every kind comes in, but God's given us a picture. God brings down the rain, and Noah's family is saved. And God, and Noah's nervous, like, God, what if you do it again? And God says, I'm going to give you a rainbow, and this rainbow, it signifies, and it is part of the promise. It is a covenant that I will never flood the earth again. Now, I want to read you something, because this is a picture that God wants us to get today. Are y'all okay? Yeah. This is a picture. Isaiah 54, 9 through 10. Just as I swore in the time of Noah, I would never again let a flood cover the earth. So now I swear that I will never again be angry or punish you. For the mountains may move and the hills disappear, but even then my faithful love for you will remain. My covenant of blessing will never be broken, says the Lord, that has mercy on you. Come on, man. If that excites you, you should give God a hand today. See, the truth of the picture is that just like Noah got into the ark, that is a picture of what it's like when we get in Jesus, when he lives in us and we live in him. And God and Jesus actually represents the ark and the, the wrath of God actually went down on Jesus just like the cross, the wrath of God so that we can be saved. And at the end of the day, God gives us a promise. And that promise of a rainbow, by the way, a rainbow has seven different colors. Remember Jay? Roy G. Biff, whatever it's called, it has seven different colors. Jesus shed seven different places on the cross, said seven different phrases on the cross. In other words, the cross was so perfect, it was such a perfect sacrifice and a covenant to you that when you question whether God is for you or not, you need to remember the covenant that God made and remember just like Noah looked at that rainbow and said that God's judgment is on the cross and that I received what Jesus deserved and he took what I deserved. I don't know about you, but that's too too good to be true because it's something out of this world. Don't get conditioned to say that's too good because God is saying, I'm going to give you a covenant and a love that you don't deserve. It's called unconditional love. We don't understand unconditional love. We all have conditions. <laughs> you get in marriage and you think it's unconditional. It should be, but 
It's that perfect God love that should be unconditional. We are wired to, if you scratch my back, I scratch yours. And God's like, I'll scratch your back even if you don't want anything to do with me. It's unconditional. God loves you and he's faithful even if you don't love him back. God says he first loved us while we were still sinners. God died for us. I was talking to a guy the other day. Uh, I was out of town, and, the, and he said that his girlfriend's a Satanist, and he's agnostic, and he was reading out some of the Satanist stuff that he believes, and, 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 and it all sounds kind of glitz and glamour until you get into the wording, and one of them was uh, choosing who to love and being conditioned, and I said, well, let me give you an example of what I believe that is contrary to that. If somebody came up here and pointed a gun at my best friend, and I took that bullet, that would be love, but I just died for somebody that I love. Now, if somebody sued me, violated my family, and was wrong to me, and somebody comes up and puts a gun to them, and I take a bullet for them, that is another kind of love. Because that is an unconditional love. Jesus gave his very life for you unconditionally. And I'm here to tell you today that fear is expelled when you know the love of God that God has for you. He loves you so much. The Bible says that you are the apple of his eye. The thoughts that he has of you are the number of the seashore. He is thinking about you all the time. The Bible says that you are actually God's masterpiece. And the first thing we have to do, we have, man, I'm preaching, I'm sweating up here. I don't know if it's hot or not, but. (laughs) The first thing that we have to do is we have to receive every day, receive his love. Remind, listen, go to the cross, see what Jesus did at the cross. We overcome by the blood of the lamb, the word of our testimony. The testimony is our testament or will, which is the word of God. And I just read to you some of the word of God that, listen, God has forgiven you. Psalms 103 says he's like a tender, compassionate father, that your sins go as far as the east to the west, that they're no more. I don't know about you, but that's good news for me. He loves you. He's forgiven you. He's given you grace. And this is the second thing we have to remember. Y'all okay today? The second thing we have to, number one, number one, we have to receive. Number two, we have to renew. Look at your neighbor and say renew. His love renews our minds and gives us the correct identity. Have you ever been frustrated with yourself? You know how I can tell when I'm frustrated with myself? I'm frustrated with myself when I get frustrated with other people. If I'm feeling stressed and somebody's like whatever, I'm frustrated even with my kids or whatever, I can tell, I can tell if I'm dealing with frustration because it actually spills out on other people. See, you can't give what you don't have. And the truth of the matter is, a lot of times, um, you know, Christians feel so condemned, and that's why they're the worst about condemning others. Come on, somebody. Christians can be the worst when they are under condemnation and not the grace of God. 
So they would rather condemn and point fingers and be judgmental and self-righteous because they literally have not received that love from God. But when you know that you've been forgiven and received the love of God, it is a secondary consequence to love others. So I can tell the indicator of what I have received from God by how I'm treating people in that time. And there are times when I need to stop and say, God, I need to be reminded of your promises and how much you love me. And, and the second thing is I need to be renewed because when you begin to know how much God loves you, listen to this, you begin to find out who you are. When you begin to experience how much God loves you, you begin to find out who you are. You are not a clone of somebody else. You are not, you are not a, a caught up in the culture of the world. You become uniquely made, understanding why you were born. And you actually, listen to this, when you receive the love of God, you actually love yourself. If you treated people just half of the way that you think about yourself, you would like be treating them like a dog. See, that's why the Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself. You can't love your neighbor unless you love yourself. And you can't love yourself unless you're really receiving from God his love. And this is the thing, you begin to find out who you are when you're saturated, filled with, full of faith of the goodness of God and his gospel. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the good news of Christ. Come on, man, it's good news. I don't know about you, but I'm preaching myself happy. So you have to get renewed. This is what Ephesians 2, 4 through 6 says. But God is so rich in mercy. Wave at me if you believe that. He's so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. I'm going to say that again. It's not by coming to church. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. It is not religion. It is not talking to a pastor. It is not talking to a priest. It is not saying confessions. It is none of that. The Bible says that it's only believing in Jesus that we're able to be saved. And you don't need another mediator. Jesus was your mediator. You can go straight to God. You don't have to repent to a man. You can go straight to God and say, God, this is who I am because he's not scared of your dirt. As a matter of fact, he will get in the middle of your mess and he will give you a message. He will cause the mess that you're in to testify of how good he is, and you will have a message in your life. I just need to get through a scripture. For he raised us from the dead with Christ and seated us in heavenly places. We are united with Christ. We are united with Christ. That's like a marriage. See, when, before I married Leah, I had my own bank account. Now that I'm married, she can take everything out of my bank account. You are united with Jesus. What he did on the cross, you are so united with him. What he has, you're a children of God, you're an heir, and you can get what he has if you come in the faith that he's a good father. So we are united with Christ. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is from the gift of God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. Can I say that again? Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done. You could feel that religious thing cringing right now. 
Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew, say anew, in Christ Jesus, so we can do good things he planned for us long ago. Wow, you are God's masterpiece. When you know the love of God, you begin to find out who you are. And when you find out who you are in Christ, the Bible says that your life is hidden in Christ. So the more that you get to know Christ, the more you find your life. If your life is hidden in Christ, when I find Christ, I find out who I am. Paul said, Paul said, it is not me. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Not I, but Christ that lives in me. See, the real you is Christ living through you. The real you is not what you have found out by your personality test. I love them, but I don't care about them. The real you is found in Jesus. When you get close to Jesus, you will begin to find out who your authentic self is. And I believe that God is beginning to bring us into a place where we begin to have the correct identity because we know who we are in him. See, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians, he made him that knew no sin, that, we, that he became sin for us, that we might become, say become, the righteousness of God. He became sin for us so that we can become. God is working righteousness in you right now as we speak. And the next time you don't feel like you're feeling righteous or you feel right, I want to encourage you to begin to confess it with your mouth. When you don't feel like you're measuring up, begin to confess it with your mouth. I am the righteousness of God. I am a child of God. I am the forgiven. I have the grace of God. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above only, not beneath. The creator of the universe has made me a masterpiece. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Don't just sit there and take the accusations of the enemy. Begin to fight back with the word of God, and you'll begin to see who you are in him. Yeah, give God a hand if you believe it. Come on, he's made you in his image. Trey, come on up so everybody thinks I'm about to close. Number three, number one is to receive. Number two is to be renewed. And number three is to respond. How are we supposed to respond? We respond receiving the love of God by loving others. This is our response. Our response to the love of God is that we love others. 1 John 4.11 says this, Dear friends, since God loved us so much, how many of you God loved you so much? Wave at me. Since God loved you so much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in, of us. This is what the Bible says. There's one thing. If I'm just like here loving God, just, you know, and it's just me and God, me and God, me and God, me and God. But how many of you know it's not just me and God, but the cross is horizontal and vertical. It's not about just me and God, but it's about me and God and his people. And when I have that in order, that it's me and God and his people, the Bible says when we come together, when I'm by myself, that's good. But when we come together and we have genuine agape love towards one another, when we link arms and say, I love you like Christ loved me, the Bible says that that love is an expression in the earth of who he is as God. 
So when God, when God says, you are my hands and feet, when we lock arm and love one another, we, expre- we actually express who God is in the earth. That's why we should never be critical of our fellow believers. Maybe they don't believe exactly like you, but this is our common denominator. We are all need Jesus. I don't care if you're Baptist, Presbyterian, whatever you are. If your common denominator is Jesus, let's link arms and do this thing. Well, he speaks in tongues. He doesn't speak tongues. He falls on the floor. He gets up. They sit down there. Why are we fighting about all this stuff? This is what we need to come together of that is very simple. Bring all the law together into one. Love God with everything and love your neighbor as yourself. I believe people will get more in tune and attractive towards God when we stop dividing and we come into unity. That if God can forgive me for the things that I've done, then I can forgive you for the arguments and the things that you have done, and we can lock arms together and actually love our neighbors as ourselves. and God can get glorified in the earth because of the way that you love. But you can't do it without receiving it. I need to love my wife more. I need to love my husband, my kid. Receive his love. So we need to love each other. But here's a, here's a big kicker. To be like Jesus, we need to love the lost. Jesus gave this example of love your neighbor as yourself. And the religious person comes up and says, well, who's your neighbor? Who's my neighbor? And Jesus gives an example of a a good Samaritan helping somebody that was dying on the road. The Levite, the religious person stepped over him. The the, the Christian people or the religious people stepped over. But the good Samaritan looked at the person that was in need and helped him. And he said, that's your neighbor. That's your neighbor. That's your neighbor. You have something that the world needs. And it's the love of God. They don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. You can preach at them till you're blue in the face, but you demonstrate the love of God and you'll start to see a change in people. The Bible says when you do these kind of things to the least of these, you're actually doing it to me. And this is a secret. When you start loving people the way that God loves you, you actually feel God more because he's actually in those people. He says, when you do this to the least of those, you are doing it to me. So when you're loving people, you're spending a, a great work and time with God. How many, some of you need a new addiction? How about we get the addiction of loving people? You can get addicted. The greatest accusation I think they have ever made about Jesus It's in Luke 7. Listen to this accusation. This is something they would probably put on Jesus' tombstone if he had one. That Jesus, religious people couldn't couldn't help but get so aggravated by this. Jesus was a friend of sinners. And this is the problem. 
I know that we need to be accountable, and I know that we don't need to go back into what we're, we, we did in the past. But this is the thing. Christians can get so much in their little bubble that they forget to be friends, not just talk to people, not just preach at people, but be friends with sinners. They said that Jesus actually lounged with sinners, which you would only lounge with those that you found common ground with, and the religious rulers hated it because he, they said, how can you be God and hang out with someone with so much issues and this murky water over here. How can you? And Jesus said, I did not come here for the healed. I came here for the sick. Jesus said, I am here to seek and to save those that are lost. You ever lost your wallet before? You ever lost your phone? Now I'm speaking to you. I don't even use wallets anymore. You lost your phone? You're on a scavenger hunt. You're flipping up pillows, you're looking everywhere, you're blaming everybody for stealing your phone. Jesus said, I came to seek those that are lost. We should be waking up every morning and saying, who's that? Who's that person that needs to hear the good news? It doesn't mean that I am perfect and have it all together, but I know the one that perfect. Who in my life today needs to, needs to be able to see the love of God? Because if Jesus was, came to seek and to save that that is lost, our major seeking is not money. We use money for our seeking. Our main focus is saying, God, I receive your love. I understand that you have good plans for me. Now I walk into my divine destiny when I begin to seek after those that need you. And the more that you begin to seek to save those that are lost, the more you will find yourself in divine destiny and fulfilled in your life. The corner office is not going to make you fulfilled. I hate to tell you, but even that spouse is not going to make you fulfilled. Jesus said, you don't know the meat that I eat of. In other words, his fulfillment and nourishment was doing the will of the Father. They just had a big crusade. And all his disciples are hungry, and they're like, we're going to Burger King. And Jesus said, I'm going to go speak to the Samaritan woman at a well, which is where sinners hung out, and goes to the woman at the well. He sought after her. He wanted, he wanted a soul more than a burger. He goes, and this lady gets so in tune and fire for God that she wins, she brings a whole city to Jesus and Jesus wins a whole city. What would happen with just that one person that God has called for you to reach out to? God is going to begin to change this city when we stop just looking at ourselves or stop just being in these four walls and we get up in the morning and say, God, I've received your love. I know who I am. Now show me who I need to reach out to. How can I be hands and feet today? How can I show the good news, the gospel today? day where it is not conditional and I'm gonna end with this during the storm we were handing out Ida we're handing out gas that was very expensive and gas cans and generators or whatever and uh, we got a call that somebody needed help in the city and we go and give them gas and all this stuff and he said something to me he said something to me he said what's the catch what's the catch Bro, there is no catch. Do you want me to like give to your church? I was like, there is no catch. There is no catch. I just want you to know that God loves you and he wants to take care of you. People don't understand when there's not a catch. 
people will begin to pick up on you that you have the real kind of love, agape love, unconditional love, and it will change people's hearts. This guy didn't want anything to do with the church, but the landlord called me and said, you have no idea the impact that y'all made on this man. He wants to get together. He wants to get connected because he doesn't understand this kind of love, an unconditional love. And I'm here to tell you how we want a city when we begin to receive God's kind of love and begin to share God's kind of love. How many of you want to do that today? Come on, give God a hand if you believe it today. If you can just stand up right where you are, I'm going to close out today. If you're here today and you say, to be honest, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Don't try to get everything together and come to God. Come to God and he'll get it all together. This life is but a vapor. It comes and it goes. Today is the day of salvation. If you say, you know what, I'm tired of running. I want a relationship with Jesus. We have a team that's praying right now. And I believe when you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, God is going to come into your life. And not only are you going to become a new person, but you're going to be free of sin. And you're going to start a relationship with God in this journey with God that causes you to step into your divine purpose in your life. Can we say it all together, church, for those of, of you that say, I want to give my life to Jesus. If you can just close your eyes and bow your head. Say this after me. Say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died for me and that you rose again. Lord, come into my life. Make me new. I believe that you died, that you rose again, and that you're alive today. From this day forward, I make you my Savior and my Lord. With nobody looking around, if you said that prayer today, I'm not going to embarrass you. Can you slip up your hand? Nobody looking. I see your hand in the back. I see your hands. God bless you. Lord, I thank you that your word says that when one person turns to God, all the heavens rejoice. And Lord, I thank you that today we can rejoice along with heaven. Church 54, on the count of three, can we give God a hand for those that have turned to God today? One, two, three. Come on, give God a hand. Come on, give God a shout. Do you want to come up? That's okay. I want to say one last prayer for you this week. If you can just lift up your hands, I want to bless you today. Lord, I thank you that your face shines upon your people. I thank you that they're going to reflect your glory this week, Lord. I thank you that you're with them. You're for them. You've called them. I thank you that you've covered them. You've cleansed them. And you've changed them. Lord, I thank you that they feel you. And they know you. And they walk with you. This week, protect them. Cover them. Let them be directed by your Holy Spirit. And Lord, I thank you for abundance, abundance in their spirit, abundance uh, even physically. Lord, I thank you that you are their healer. Be with them this week and guide them in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody says amen, amen. Before you head out today, our ushers have a uh, card for you. It's we have crew parties going on starting this week on Wednesday. We would love to hang out with you. This is where we're going to be for the next four weeks. And so let's do life together. Love you guys and see you this week. Come on, give God a hand today. Love you guys.